Welcome to Interchange. I'm Doug Storm. Today's show is Survival and Global War, USA 2020. All of our music for this episode features Rashid Ali, who was an American free jazz and avant-garde drummer born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We're listening to the title track from Swift Are the Winds of Life, originally issued by Ali's own label, Survival Records, in 1975. Leroy Jenkins is on violin. Last week was a tense time for many, as Joe Biden has claimed victory in the presidential election. And for the first time in 150 years, the sitting president has refused to concede. This has raised the prospect, however distant and indistinct, of civil war and called survival into question. It's in this context that Interchange producer Bella Bravo spoke with Indiana University professor Edgar Iyas, whose most recent book, The Survival Regime, Global War and the Political, was published by Routledge in 2019. Drawing on the work of Frederick Jameson, E.S. reapproaches the supposed postmodern condition with a practical mindset, finding that, on a global level, the cultural logics of the late 20th century have given way to the emerging predominance of the logic of war and survival. Black Lives Matter, in laying claim to the importance of survival in the face of the naked reality of ongoing racist police murders, exemplifies this transition domestically. While the predominance of aerial bombing in contemporary conflict is an important reference internationally. What does it mean to survive today under global capitalism and global war? In the survival regime, Iyas takes up that challenge by examining how living bodies and institutions struggle for existence while at the same time producing forms of life able to withstand the drift of state protection. E.S. defines survival as the central question of our time, a necessary step to becoming active and militant. The impossibility of smoothly mediating contemporary conflicts has now returned to the arena of U.S. politics. E.S.'s reflections on the contours of war and survival today are key to understanding this moment and the fundamental problems we'll continue to face in the 21st century. Edgar Illas is an associate professor of Catalan Studies in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Indiana University in Bloomington. He's published Thinking Barcelona, Ideologies of a Global City, and various articles on Marxism, politics, and architecture. Illas will also be speaking at this weekend's online conference on the undercommons and destituent power, hosted by Indiana University as part of the Critical Race and Ethnic Studies Symposium. And now, Survival and Global War. USA 2020 on Interchange on WFHB. Let's just jump right in and tell us about survival. Yes, thank you. Yes, thanks for uh, the interest in my musings. It's what so okay, so survival is uh, what I do uh, in this book with survival is to explore it as a political category. That is relatively um, original to the extent that uh, survival is, by definition, not a political category. Survival is, as the, there's, there's three meanings maybe that we, we have inherited uh, 
when it comes to uh, this notion. First is survival would be precisely the pre-political stage that that we have uh, before we have a uh, uh, politics. It's the, the famous uh, war of all against all or the struggle for life. As, as Hobbes said, uh, this is where uh, life is is uh, short and violent and brutish and, and nasty. So that would be the the moment of conflict in which you, you just worry about your, your survival. So you don't have time or effort or energy or stability to um you know to 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 think about the political and think how to organize society and so on. So that's that's the first meaning of survival that I had to uh, uh, grapple with. Then the second one, which is parallel, would be the the biopolitical one, that is the the um, how the theorists of biopolitics of the 20th century, Foucault and Agamben and Esposito, mainly uh, among others, considered that survival or or what Agamben would call naked life or mere life is precisely the center of political modernity to the extent that the modern state functions or operates as as somehow a, a, a machine that controls uh, life and regulates and disciplines uh, the the you know the the movements and the really the living um, dynamics of of populations so then in that respect life would be or survival would be would be not not pre-political, but would be rather the the other of the political. That is the the internal uh, and yet uh, excluded core of of biopolitics. So that's another notion that uh, that um, you know that starts to conceptualize survival. Then the final one that is probably the most common one in in our present is the is the neoliberal appropriation. When when we hear uh, neoliberalism, uh, say. Uh, well, uh, the market is it functions somehow as as a survival of the fittest, as as some some type of law of the stronger, in in which uh, well, it's what it is, right? That uh, all there is is survival, um, and 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 in a way, the market creates some sort of um, a system of of justice that can be cruel and yet that is that is somehow productive and even um, progressive or. or Utopian, even like in the sense that it 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 will improve the life of everybody if we if we uh, you know obey this natural law of survival of the fittest. So so these are the three previous conceptualizations of survival that I had to um, uh, uh, dismantle and dialogue with. But my sense is that survival today defines a different thing, and and that that emerged maybe. 10, 15 years ago, when I, I started to see some, some political movements that didn't seem to operate according to any of the political categories of modernity, that is, the, the categories of the citizen or, or, or recognition or the nation or even gender and race. I mean, the most uh, immediate example would be Black Lives Matter, in which you know the, the very slogan of the movement uh, lays the emphasis on, on, on the question of life uh, itself. I thought, well, these movements are not really anymore about, uh, you know, we want to be recognized, we want to be, we want to be um, perfect uh, legal citizens, and 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 uh, we want our identities to be uh, uh, promoted and so on. I mean, this 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 uh, this is still there. Obviously, the question of equality and the question of rights and so on, and yet the the core seemed to be more 
on the question of survival. Like basically, we don't want to get shot, right? I'm a black man and I don't want to get shot. So that that to me indicated that there's a new dominant logic of the political that lays the emphasis of of life, but not in a passive way, but rather in a, in a you know productive and, and, and creative form. You're listening to Interchange on WFHB. Episode producer Bella Bravo speaks with Edgar Ias, a professor in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Indiana University and author of The Survival Regime, Global War and the Political, about how the globalization of war and capital entails a permanent instability that forces political life to struggle for its own existence in the form of constant intervention. One of the things that struck me in your book is this uh, shift in how you're seeing survival operate in the world from, it seems like it used to be this negative, almost destructive force, and now there is a productive quality to it. Survival isn't merely passive. As you said, it's entered the political, how we now organize society. One of the other examples that you give in the book is the struggle of undocumented migrants in the U.S. who say, you know, we are here and we're not leaving. And so uh, you mentioned that you noticed um, these political movements uh, start to develop 10 or 15 years ago, or at least you noticed them. What brought about this change in history where survival is now suddenly at the center? I think that this has to do with your concept of global war. Exactly. Yeah. No. That. That's exactly what I was going to say. That. That was the second. Uh, let's say, you know, event that happened in my, you know, whatever is is my intellectual life. Uh, I. I came across this notion, uh, global war, which um, uh, an Italian political theorist Carlo Galli coined right after nine eleven, and that was that was also uh, in open up a you know can of worms and and a, in a way a, a, a very a very transformative uh, thing for me, which was that his his argument is in globalization, uh, war has not is not taking the form the dominant form of of the previous uh, uh, um, forms of interstate war, or or the classical twentieth century form of total war, in which either you you have uh, two states that uh, that are you know friends and enemies and and. And, and fight for the you know distribution of, of territory and power. And you don't have either the the logic of total war in the 20th century that, that is exemplified, you know, with uh, obviously with Nazism and the and the Holocaust, but also with um, you know other other um, forms uh, in which uh, in which the, the point is not is not so much to negotiate territory and power with the enemy, but to exterminate the enemy. That is the the logic of of total destruction, total extermination that we see in um, in many episodes of the 20th century, and that is also exemplified with the, with the question of air air um, air the air bombings where you uh, when you turn everybody into a, a victim. And Gali says in in globalization we we see the emergence of a new type of war. He, he calls it that is anomic. That is no longer about the distribution of of space. It's no longer about the distribution of power or about exterminating necessarily uh, other populations, but it's this permanent sense of accept of the state of exception, the the permanent sense of threat, which that was after 9/11 and 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 then this emergence of this nebulous 
uh, enemy. We, we don't really know, uh, you know, when an attack is going to happen, who, who is behind the attacks and so on. So then I started to see how global war beyond the maybe the, the typology of conflict that, that, that encapsulates um, was also part of, of a new dissolution between war itself, but also between the state and the market, between capital and politics. The, the, the previous distinctions that we had, the state and market and, and war and politics and, um, you know, state and civil society, um, those have, have definitely blurred uh, in a way that um, that has to be explained and that it no longer allows us to use the political, you know, concepts of modernity to, to describe what's going on. Survival, maybe, I think that allows us to uh, see the, 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 the magmatic uh, uh, nature of these indistinctions, because survival somehow is present in all these logics. Like the market is about competition, uh, survival, you know, within competition. War is obviously the, the question of you know life and death at, at its purest. But uh, politics, as I was saying again, seems to be also uh, reproducing this um, this question of um, well, we need to do this in order to uh, protect ourselves, defend ourselves, survive, uh, and so on. Which you know we saw with with nine eleven, of course. Again, uh, survival seemed to be a productive uh, notion to to understand uh, maybe uh, in distinction the, the indistinctions of of of, the, of 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 society and the contemporary times. It's time for our first break. This is Face of Forgotten Thought from the 1976 Survival Records release Moonflight by Rashid Ali. You're listening to Interchange on WFHB. Stay tuned for more with Edgar Eas on global war and permanent instability when Interchange returns on WFHB. Welcome back to Interchange. Our show is Survival and Global War, USA 2020. And our guest is Edgar Iyas. In this segment, episode producer Bella Bravo talks with Iyas about the political events in the world that prompted him to write his book, The Survival Regime. And they discuss its application to political events in our current moment. Today, capitalism seems to have found its way into all aspects of life, including political engagement. And as a result, political movements now arise from individuals coming together and making interventions in every part of their lives. As we enter this phase where there's constant, or as you said, permanent um, crisis of sovereign power, the response that 
you're seeing in people is that there are these political forms that are beyond the state. In the book, there was cultural logic that seemed to guide movements um, and political organization. And now in this phase of global war, there's a shift to a logic of war. And you mentioned that before um, with Black Lives Matter specifically having elements where there are there are demands within that movement for rights, for recognition, but really at its core, it's about survival. Um, it's about you know, as you said, don't shoot me. Uh, so I was wondering if you could give some examples of what this logic of war, as opposed to this uh, logic of culture, looks like. Because survival is is something that I I think feels, as you've explained it, you know, it's very bodily and. War, I think people often understand like its impact on the body, but think of is this thing that happens between nation states. Um, and so how has this logic of war started to impact us and like how we organize ourselves political? Yes, the, the question of a cultural logic, uh, the shift from a cultural logic to a war logic, um, that, that comes from... Um, from Frederick Jameson, who already uh, theorized these indistinctions between the state and market and culture uh, and politics in the in the 1980s, when when he said, "Well, the the, um, the postmodernity is is about the de-differentiation of of spaces," and then he claimed that that culture had occupied until then uh, somehow of uh, an autonomous sphere that was separated from from politics or from the economy whereas in in he calls late capitalism or postmodernity or finance capitalism culture uh, becomes part of of the market logic uh, itself so you don't you don't um that that would be maybe the the, the core of that uh, of that period and i claim that we can perhaps periodize postmodernity or globalization in in two stages. One would be what Fred Jameson theorizes as postmodernity, and that would be the 1980s all the way to 2001 to 9/11, and that's when we see these again this this logic of culture that that in a way infuses all all aspects. And it's true you see politics based on identity politics. On, uh, on the question of recognition of of, of, of of all types of multiplicities and that it seems that this is this is the the dominant logic of of the political but then I claim that after 911 we we see another uh, element playing the dominant role and and that is no longer culture culture is still there and then the question of marketing the question of recognition and, and identity of course are, are still there but it seems that the, the raw you know moment of of war and as you said the 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 implication of the of the body as or or maybe the the emergence of the body as the site of a struggle or the, as the central site of a struggle uh, seems again to play a, a more a more dominant role well this i think can be linked to the question of of a new typology of war the question of of global war that i said before again survival would be Will be a way of theorizing precisely this this war logic. It's one of the you know concatenation of concepts that that somehow uh, work together. Yes, and the, and then the question of the body, I think, it, it perfectly exemplifies that. In 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 the cultural logic, I would say you can almost say that is not the body the center of 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 the political. Is the face the face um, and the face of the other 
you know, that's the, the Levinasian uh, uh, phase as, as the site of otherness, as the, as the, as the, as the, as the, as the encounter with, with the other. That is, that is, I think, where, where things are, uh, what's at stake um, against the, against maybe the, the you know, the, the, the totality of, of, of identity, of, of nationhood, of, of closed communities. So there, there are many ramifications. You have maybe the subaltern versus hegemony. There's, there's all types of oppositions. But I think that the face and the eyes of the other are somehow um, central there. Whereas the body uh, comes to play this dominant role in, in, the, in the second stage of globalization, in the, in the, you know, the post-2001. Uh, so... Um, so the body is no longer you. You are no longer centering the political or or, or the cultural, if you, if you want, around the, the the gaze of the other. But it's it's around the body of uh, of of whoever. This it's around like singular bodies that, in a way, it doesn't really matter whether are your body or the other's body. They are they are part of a. They are part of, uh, of 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 movements of intensities that uh, that are that are struggling that, that are uh, you know that are in conflict in, in so, that are you know inserted in some type of uh, of antagonism, and I think that's that's why um, we can you know speak of the body as again as the as the center of of politics and of course you know, of survival too. You're listening to Interchange on WFHB. Episode producer Bella Bravo speaks with Edgar Ias, a professor in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Indiana University and author of The Survival Regime, Global War and the Political, about how the globalization of war and capital entails a permanent instability that forces political life to struggle for its own existence in the form of constant intervention. brings us to why you started um, working on this project. What moved you to, to write the book? I mean, I, you never know why you're starting working on something. You just, you just something interests you and then you, you keep exploring. But what I noticed was that, um, the, the, again, like the, the political theories and, and categories that were available uh, to, to, to me, you know, all the, all the things that that the main theories of the of the second half of the 20th century had had coined Laclau and Ballou and Gizek and Agamben, it seemed that those categories were no longer explaining my presence. There was there was also a, one moment it was I was um, I was personally also involved in the in the question of uh, Catalan separatism. Yeah, I'm from Barcelona, so I I, I kind of uh, you know sympathize with that. And, well, it's not that I sympathize. I'm too fully involved in that in that trial. <laughs> I, I realized well, they are they, they all these categories don't explain what you know what I my political desires. Let's put it this way, and and it was also the question of Black Lives Matter here that that became, I mean, very um, you know very very intense and 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 alive here. So I thought, well, it's it's not. Um, there was one moment too in which uh, I remember vividly, Slavoj Žižek was talking about the Syrian. Um, fighters in Aleppo, in the you know the, in the part of Syria that is that is uh, that resists the, the Assad regime, and he said, "Well, these these fighters are are now at a, they are not they are in a way they, they are a pseudo event. They are not creating a political event. 
uh, they are, this is just a resistance that in a way doesn't mean anything historically. And I said, listen, uh, who are you to, to say, uh, you know, what, what is, what is uh, revolutionary and what is not, or what is an event and what is not. So that, that, those, were, those were moments in which I realized, well, we, we definitely need to replace or at least, you know, give a new inflection to these, uh, to these categories because they, they no longer explain what, uh, what happens uh, today. And also the question of, of survival became, uh, well, now with the pandemic, this has become even clearer. The, you know, I would see many people, especially the younger people, um, you know, not being uh, interpolated by, um, by, uh, by, you know, the, the, the event or even the, the party, or I mean, there was there was there was a previous, you know, much much more urgent engagement based on what I said that the the question of, of of bodily survival and and then and then and and also economic survival with the precarization of life and so so I thought well we we definitely need to explore that uh, beyond beyond the biopolitical paradigm or the even the Marxist uh, paradigms. One of the things that I found so uh, so evocative about your work is this um, how you're conceptualizing um, movements. So it's not, um, yeah, like you said, it's not organized necessarily by the party. There isn't um, a top-down organization, but it, it does function on this level of intensities and assemblages that are making interventions. How did we come to this moment in capitalism where we have this blur between politics and capital and we have people attempting to use their bodies, use um, mass uh, organization that seems a lot more spontaneous and seems like it's about uh, survival? What are they intervening in in capitalism? What does it look like and how did we get to this moment? Yes, this emerges from, from another indistinction uh, and that is, uh, we you know, throughout modernity, we've had we've had this this uh, big problem in in maybe I don't know in revolutionary thought that is the that is the 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 distinction between between uh, you know the question of exploitation and the question of domination. That is whether if you focus uh, you know from a more Marxist perspective, if you focus on on the question of exploitation, then then how do you account for the types of domination in in, in relation to the state or race or or gender, or and so on, or nation, uh, and 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 vice versa. If you focus on you know gender feminist struggles, then how do you uh, account for the, the the basic exploitation of of the mode of production? So my sense is that this this dilemma, which which is you know in a way unsolvable, it, it forces you to go back and forth and rebalance the you know the the the, the balances here. My sense is that this this dilemma has paradoxically been solved by the question of, of by this magmatic terrain of indistinction in, in global war, in, in which in which you in which the, the, the question of exploitation is is always already part of, of domination and vice versa. So so like to, to, to put it in simple terms, when we talk about politics or, or any event today, intuitively we all know that it's there's it's always about money. There's, at some point, it, there's, there's the question of money uh, that 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 is part of the the central part of the equation, and vice versa. Like every every um, every type of, of exploitation involves a, 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 an explicit enterprise of, of domination of of land, of peoples, of bodies, uh, of of uh, you know of races, of course, like in in, in the case of, of blacks. So so it seems that. Um, 
again, well, let's let's put it differently. That the, the the disgrace that that has happened, which is that it's capitalism is now everywhere. Uh, you know, has invaded all aspects of our subjectivity, of our you know unconscious and and our social life. So this this very fact can be actually turned around and say, well, now you know, we everything has has been politicized, and it, it's it's. It's not so much that the personal is political, which which we already knew for a long time, but it's it's almost that the the any 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 activity any any um, uh, um, any any just uh, you know modulation of uh, of 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 the ontology of the present um, has political uh, uh, import. So that's that's why I I talk about intervention as as a central. Um, expression of of politics because in a way you're you're constantly intervening whether it's you know online or on the street or or at home or you know so the the question of intervention was also has a history and it it blurs again the the question of what's legal what's illegal the the boundaries of you know an intervention was was always an extra or a legal uh, uh, gesture uh, of the state when you intervene in another in another, you know, territory of uh, another sovereignty, the the term intervention, I think, maybe encapsulates this this need to be uh, constantly engaged and to and also to to evaluate um, the, the the politics or the content of of your political act in terms of consequences, in terms of what 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 does that produce and and, and cause, rather than in terms of intentions. Or, 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 you know, any programmatic directives. It's time for another break and another from the Rashid Ali Quartet. This is No One in Particular. Stay with us for more with Edgar Ias when Interchange returns on WFHB. Welcome back to Interchange on WFHB. We've been talking with Indiana University Spanish and Portuguese professor Edgar Ias about his book, The Survival Regime, Global War and the Political. In this segment, Ias talks about the optimistic tones in his book, such as how political struggles for survival generate great collective creativity and affirmation of life. 
And he goes on to discuss these ideas in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement and the Catalan separatist movement. As we exist in this global war, where, as you said before, the enemy is nebulous, and but at the same time, we find ourselves in trapped within capitalism, um, and it's very exploitation is very direct, um, and crisis um, is rampant, and uh, crisis is now actually producing these like sites of extraction, the totality that people exist within is very immediate is what it sounds like. And so intervention, um, because it is constant, the form of political struggle that you're seeing is, is that fair? Yes, absolutely. Intervention is, is an act of survival too. You're, you're, you know, you're defending yourself. You're, you're surviving. You're, you're trying to, uh, um, you know, uh, react against some, some, some threat, or some uh, catastrophe, and I, I think I'm, I'm, you know, it seems that I'm painting like a really bleak picture. It seems that you know it's all, and it's it's true. It's like it's it's catastrophic. But I don't want to sound uh, defeatist or or pessimistic. Even I mean, I uh, or my, my theorization of survival does not does not want to say well all all that we have to do now there's there's nothing else but survival. We just we just need to resist. And then try to um, prolong life and 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 circumvent death. I really maybe there's part of the book that that is about that, but I really want to also lay the emphasis on the on the empowering uh, fact that this immediateness of the political has, and it is it is empowering. I mean, with with uh, you know with a tweet, you can you can uh, overthrow uh, some some you know person in 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 type of political power these days. You, it goes both ways too. You know, you can also become the president of the United States also only with a tweet account. I mean, it's it's not it's not a that's that's another you know dangerous consequence of of this paradigm of of indistinction that is well that it's open to everyone that it it really legitimates you know all types of uh, struggles, uh, whether reactionary or, or progressive. So, um, but but I I, I also want again. Um, emphasize that they want to recognize the 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 power of of all these struggles for survival. Not uh, I don't want to reduce them to mere resistance or 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 just to uh, you know something uh, something that is that is not uh, creative. One of the things that came across really clearly for me in your book was that survival isn't something isn't a isn't a condition that we are being relegated to think about or to have to deal with. This is this is the condition of the moment. And so responding to our material conditions is, is what we do. And because of this shift to survival and to global war, we're seeing people respond and, and organize different. And I think that with the pandemic, especially, we're seeing people struggle to figure out how we can still assemble. It's incredibly appropriate that it would be immediate and very quick because in a pandemic, you can't be around someone for longer than 15 minutes. And so a lot of the protests that we've seen are 
these large groups of people coming together for the movement in defense of Black lives for the most part over this summer, not necessarily staying in one place, but there is in fact a lot of movement. The protests, they rove, they go to different buildings, different uh, sites within cities. This this intervention mode and its spontaneity makes a lot of sense, I think, in, in terms of what we're seeing now and will continue to see as the pandemic isn't going away. Yes, no, I think that the, the question of, uh, of Black Lives Matter this past summer was uh, was was precious because it was it was so affirmative again it was it was this moment in which you say well, listen this this life in a way was a moment of life transcending life itself that we know that this is in a way we are risking our lives by getting together and yet life is more important that than than the risk of life itself right that there's the affirmation of life so it's it's a it's almost like a self-reflective movement uh, in which survival transcends itself uh, or politicizes itself. That's what I say. It's not maybe a transcendent or an act of transcend, you know, transcendentalizing or you know, appealing to some 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 type of a other other worldly stuff. But it's it's just a, 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 again a, a matter of politicizing life uh, against the the, the very um, the very threat of of death, right? Or and of and. and the pandemic, you know, it has all the all, all, all the qualities of great politics. You know, it's heroic, it's it's courageous, it's generous, and it's ultimately also effective because, as as we see, you know, consciousness is is again we, we could talk about other movements too, maybe less successful ones, but I think that with Black Lives Matter, you see how there's not the moment in which you see like a clear revolutionary cut. It was well now. The movement has really succeeded. Now it's it's over. We don't need to worry about this anymore because the problem is is solved. It doesn't go this way. And yet you see how little by little the the consciousness of the of the country, especially in this case of white America, is being uh, is being changed. Uh, not 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 everyone, of course. Uh, it, it's also being changed for the worse because some people are actually becoming openly uh, racist now. I see some some uh, yes, it, it's some paradigmatic qualities of, of survival, of the survival logic, or of survival as a political logic in, in Black Lives Matter, for, for sure. You're listening to Interchange on WFHB. Episode producer Bella Bravo speaks with Edgar Ias, a professor in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Indiana University and author of The Survival Regime, Global War and the Political about how the globalization of war and capital entails a permanent instability that forces political life to struggle for its own existence in the form of constant intervention. Um, some other examples, because you mentioned the uh, struggle by undocumented immigrants in the U.S., um, but then you also are involved in the Catalan separatist movement. So how do you see these this logic of war and of survival as a political organization playing out in those spheres? For example, in the Catalan uh, question, you know, we shouldn't be as optimistic there. I mean, the, the, the question of a Obviously, the question of you know, documented immigrants—that's uh, again uh, one of those ongoing tensions, antagonisms that can never can never uh, be uh, fully fully resolved. The question of Catalan separatism has uh, brings a new inflection that is interesting, which is that you see, Catalan separatism uh, is not obvious whether this is a progressive or reactionary movement. Because you can say, well, it's progressive to the extent that we have a people that they say, well, we want to vote on on the 
you know, on the, on the political structure of our community. And we, we want to have it the same way that happened in Scotland and in Quebec. In a way, we want to we found a new type of, of a state uh, formation. That, uh, 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 we want to found states based on, on, on the both of the people and popular sovereignty. And that is that progressive or is that reactionary? You say, well, this is progressive to the extent that it's, it's a democratization of, of, uh, of the creation of states. But you could also argue that, well, this also follows a market logic that is, well, then the, the richest uh, regions of, of the world may, uh, may both to secede themselves from, um, from you know, larger entities or modern states. So that also opens up, you know, uh, uh, a path to, toward more, more inequality and, and so on. So I think that this is, this is a perfect case that exemplifies the ambiguous uh, nature of, of Let's say the politics of survival. I think that every every movement you can claim that every movement has both progressive and reactionary elements. There's we, we cannot. I mean, if we ever had that, but we 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 clearly cannot aim at at some pure pure uh, you know revolutionary uh, um, uh, movement vis-a-vis again like a, a purely reactionary one. Like we have you know hybrid mixtures that are um, that are Sometimes are, are are you know they 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 make you confront with the with the you know muddled nature of politics. It's it's never clear whether, whether there's whether something is you know entirely good or bad. <laughs> I think that coming out in the survival regime, I think it's it's ultimately uh, scary you know for a lot of people but if we look back at like the time period of total war um this indistinction um where movements are not entirely revolutionary upending the world order and are also not entirely reactionary but instead a composite of the two i think i I don't think it's necessarily been it's been different in in the past it's just having it it just looks a different way now right exactly yeah yeah, exactly. I was thinking of uh, Michael Hart and Antonio Negri's uh, famous theorization of the of the political, which which obviously my my question of survival uh, engages in that too. But I think that in their case, they they still have a, a lot of confidence that the multitude um, is is, uh, is 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 has a progressive inflection vis a vis the empire, which is which would be the reactionary. Uh, space. I, I think a global war precisely uh, mixes them in a way that uh, that you can you can no longer have the, the a clear position between the you know the the revolutionary uh, peoples and then the the reactionary powers. Uh, uh, it's it's totally muddled now. And it's totally muddled uh, because of because of globalization um, and because of this indistinction between the the state and and capital. Exactly, and and because because um, the the um, the the question of of politics uh, again revolves around reacting to to threat and to danger. So it's not it's not so much about um, well let's let's try to uh, let, you know, let's let's write a manifesto or let's write a, a, a program like the the communist manifesto or. Would be the, the you know the major example, and then let's determine what is to be done, like how we get there and how we reach this um, this moment of emancipation. I, I think that it goes it goes in a way backwards. I mean, first you have the catastrophe, 
and 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 the state of emergency, and then uh, and then you have uh, you have politicization. I mean, it's it's simultaneous. It happens at the same time. But but you know, to, to go back to our example, first you need it's a way like first you need you know George Floyd, the, the case of George Floyd, and then you have Black Lives Matter. It's it's you can also say well, George Floyd is is you know is is not is not this, the 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 beginning. Of of police brutality in a way it's it's the end it's it's that the tipping point, but um but what I mean is that that politicization is not is not so much the again the 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 projection toward the future of of some of some programmatic uh, um, uh, directives by, by a party or by an intellectual or or, or some type of a intelligentsia uh, it's 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 a reaction that. That I would say that happens sometimes somehow spontaneously or, or you know much more immediately, and it just coalesces, and then and then you have uh, and then you have politics. So in that in that respect, you you I, I wouldn't be um, yeah I think that the temporality of politics let's say is reversed, but it's it's not so much again a, a temporality of the new of we're going to create something new, but it's it's rather what I call a temporality of the always already that you're always already reacting involved in in all these types of emergencies that are happening it's time for our final break this is no messages from the 1991 release song lines by peter brutzman fred hopkins and rashida lee stay with us for more with edgar eas when interchange returns Welcome back to Interchange on WFHB. We've been talking with Edgar Ias about his book, The Survival Regime, Global War, and the Political. In this segment, episode producer Bella Bravo talks to Ias about the upcoming Undercommons and Destituent Power Conference at Indiana University. Ias talks about the paper he'll present at the conference, defining destituent power, and contextualizing it in current political movements.
I wanted to ask about the uh, Undercommons and Distituent Power Conference um, that's happening at Indiana University in November, because um, you're going to be on a panel about hostility outside the fort, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was wondering if you could tell us about uh, the work that you're doing now and the, the paper that you're going to be presenting. My basic uh, point will be to uh, question, but not, not in a critical or destructive way by any means, but in a in a you know in an attempt to to bring it to the present and further the, the, to to expand the, the the notion of destituent power. I think that the notion, especially it was it was coined by uh, Agamben, it's it it lays it it assumes that uh, that there is a constituted power and that is that is definitely associated with the, with the modern state. And therefore, um, you know, the, the question of destitution and the question of, uh, of well, there's, there's several names that there's sort of, of, of the lines of flight, the exodus from, from, um, from, from, from power. Those, um, those notions, again, need to be uh, complexified now because it's not, since we no longer have perhaps the modern state as the, as the main site of politics or at least as it's clearly not as the only one um then obviously then how do we account for uh destituent power or how do we how do we make destituent power also um you know describe what we just said now these all these movements that happen uh outside the state or in reaction to uh threats and emergencies and so on or or, or another way of saying this would be well, uh, in fact, uh, neoliberalism has already, uh, you know, pushed for the destitution of, of sovereign power. So uh, that's another set of problems. How do we um, dissociate um, destituent power as a, as a you know, productive political category from the mere uh, neoliberalization of, of state power and, or, or just institutional power in general? So that would be that's another inflection in in my in my intervention. How? Um, yeah, I, th- I think that I I still think that the city one power is of course useful. That's that's. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say that something is not useful. It's usually you know like most notions. I would say like all, all previous notions of the political or anything can be can be redefined and rewritten in ways that that are that that become relevant today instead of saying well we just need to get rid of of this you know um so that's that's basically my uh, my reflection it's it's not not a lot but it's, it's something <laughs> for those people listening who aren't familiar with uh the concept of destituent power could you uh could you explain it because i think uh because you mentioned uh uh, neoliberalism could be one example, uh, and and I don't think that that's the uh, the main example uh, that someone would use for it. So, what is destituent power? Because I think that'll bring uh, the salience of your uh, your observation. I think I think it would make it clear. Well, destituent power is part of a, of a constellation of concepts that that in a way push toward the. Yeah, thinking of the political outside or beyond the state, uh, that is, instead of instead of laying all the emphasis in what is called constituent power, that is, uh, the power to, you know, um, um, 
accumulate uh, the, the, the necessary force in order to change constituted power, that is, uh, uh, to uh, basically to change the, the, the state power or the, or the, the form of, of, of state power. So instead of saying that, instead of laying the emphasis on, on constituent power, you lay the emphasis on, on destituting, in a way, any power, uh, the theoretically. So, so the idea of deconstituting de would be, again, more of, an, of, a, of, of the search for alternative forms of power that do not turn into, um, into, into state domination or... or into um, you know the monopoly of violence by the state and 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 the and the the, the totalization of of legal and political uh, spaces. You're listening to Interchange on WFHB. Episode producer Bella Bravo speaks with Edgar Ias, a professor in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Indiana University and author of The Survival Regime, Global War and the Political, about how the globalization of war and capital entails a permanent instability that forces political life to struggle for its own existence in the form of constant intervention. I think this concept is is very useful. It, my sense is that it describes more a conjuncture, a conjuncture that was maybe a little like previous somehow to global war in the sense of it was a moment in which you see how the modern state is no longer maybe the central locus of politics. And yet you still don't have a clear sense of where where this opening is is leading us to, right? I mean, it's a, it, would, it would be a, in a way a... a, a a perfectly postmodern notion where, where you, you you are no longer modern, but you're no longer you still have this you know almost backward gaze toward modernity or postmodern. Whereas I think globalization is clearly uh, you know beyond modernity to the extent that um, that you you no longer have a backward gaze. You you now we are global and the whole you know the whole present is global. There's no there's no backward gaze here. So that's that's maybe. Uh, Something to be to be explored in this concept: how the the erosion of of political power in, in terms of of destituent power can again open up uh, uh, forms of politics that that do not turn into um, into you know classic domination. I was saying, well, this may also, as I said, that there is a clear like the, the dangerous resemblance with what the neoliberals would want to do, right? That they say, no, let's let's just get rid of the state. The state is totalitarian. The state is is undemocratic and domina- it's domination. And and that's that's again that's one of those uh, moments which you you get dangerously close uh, uh, to the enemy. But those you know those dangerous moments are also that they also need to be at least accounted for, or if not if not fully embraced, because that's you know like to quote the famous Holderlin saying where, where danger lies uh, also uh, lies salvation. Right? That there's there's you need to uh, you need to take risks you know to produce something that may be um, consequential. As we were talking about earlier, that we're in a moment where lines are not clearly drawn. Movements are composed of people who in um, other circumstances are our enemies. And so walking up to that line of like, oh, okay, destituency or a destituent power you described kind of as an, an indeterminate state. So if we're 
we're in this uh, moment where the uh, the functions of the state are being emptied out, they're being destituted. That's a very precarious situation and could, yeah, bring about a, a lot of circumstances that may look like this uh, this neoliberalism example. And so thinking through those. Yeah, no, and then th- that's that's another problem that that the uh, that I like about about the the paradigm of war, the lenses of war. You know, to understand all this, because war, war, when when you enter the terrain of war, like everything, you know, all the distinctions collapse, and like it's all, it's all, you know, totally, it's the, it's the what Clausewitz famously said, it's the fog of war, you know, like everything becomes foggy, but at the same time, it becomes absolutely, you know, urgent and and material. I mean, you, everything is at stake there, you know, in war, like you, you're, you know, you're constantly, uh, you know, at risk of of you know, of 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 just of of you know, like you're constantly confronted with the, the the true ontological questions. Like you know, this is there's a difference between being and non-being. You know, and between life and death. So I think that war is, in a way, is again one of those moments, one of those you know, almost languages or vocabularies that that um, productive to the extent that they are destructive, right, or vice versa, and uh, and they 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 allow you to to see to question. You know all the all the political categories that that in a way assume some stabilization of the political uh, that is like this is constituent power, this is constituted power, this is revolutionary, this is reactionary, this is you know um, uh, civil society, this is the state, uh, all the all the, the dichotomies. Um, those so or, or this is personal and this is political and, and so on. Um, so those dichotomies war war blurs all these distinctions and yet and yet it forces you to take decisions all the time right to say well now you are my enemy now i'm fighting against you and but now now you are no longer my enemy now we are fighting against another common enemy that that joins us so this yeah this uh, tacticism or this this permanent uh, mobility uh, is one of those things that i think make war a productive element in this equation That's our show. We'll close with another from Rashid Ali off of Songlines. This is It Is Solved by Walking. Thanks to Edgar Ias for joining us to discuss his book, published by Routledge, The Survival Regime. And remember, Ias will also be speaking at this weekend's online conference on the undercommons and destituent power, hosted by Indiana University as part of the Critical Race and Ethnic Studies Symposium. Registration for the conference and more information can be found at destituentcommons.com. We'll also post a link on our page online. Bella Bravo produced this episode of Interchange. Brady Heberlin edited the show with mixing by Doug Storm. Cade Young is executive producer. This is Bloomington, Indiana's community radio station, WFHB. Thanks for listening.